Hello, welcome back to How to Be Queer. My name is Alex. I use the them pronouns. Hey, Alex. Hi, Kim. I am Kim. I use uh, she, her pronouns. We're talking about pronouns today. And so welcome to How to Be Queer. We are a podcast that talks about all things being queer in a heteronormative world. We do. We have a website, howtobequeer.com. We do a lot of things beyond just podcasting. Yes, we do. We do training, um, coaching, and speaking. And we have to give a huge sh- shout out to our sponsor, Outfront Magazine. Hey, Outfront. Hey, Outfront. Thanks for, for, Aren't they the oldest for LG- loving us. And they're the oldest LGBTQ magazine in the country. Yes. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. Yeah. 1976. Something it's somewhere in the 70s. I, mm-hmm. I was gonna say 73, 76. Let's we'll split the difference and go with 74.5. <laughs> Very technical. <laughs> Sorry, Maggie. No. <laughs> um, so Alex, one of the things that I hear on podcasts that I listen to is that we ask people to give us a rating. Um, so if you are a longtime listener, please give us a rating because yes. that makes it easier for other folks to find us. Yes. And we have things to say (laughs) (laughs) that we would love. We want to hear what you have to say. And we know that we need, we want to be heard. We need to be heard. Um, So we have been actually, this is October is like a month where it's just like all the things happen. A lot of things happen in November um, for our queer community and so we are going to talk about a little bit of those things today. Am I right? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. I was joking with work that it's um, October is almost as gay as as June, but um, <laughs> it's not. It's more than just gay. It's um, the history of LGBTQ. And it's also, it's International Pronouns Day. International Pronouns Day. It's National Coming Out. National Coming Out. Like it's, I wonder why, do we know why some of these things happen in, in October? Is there a reason? Do we know? I feel like we should know this. Um, <laughs> yes. I know actually on a, a little bit of a darker note, I, Matthew Shepard yeah. passed away in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I first kind of heard, connected coming out month okay. know, to, to that. But I don't think that that's actually... Um, I tell you what, we will we will find out and get back to you, folks. I mean, this is a highly produced podcast. We'll do research on the spot, but so I think um, you know it's interesting because in my you know multiple roles that we all do, right? I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter, friend, child. Um, but in my professional world, I'm also the chief community access and equity officer for Rocky Mountain Public Media. Can you write that down for me? Oh, I know. It's so long. And here's the funny thing is we call it the SEA team. Okay. Because it's CEA, right? Community equity and access. And so we pronounce it SEA. Okay. Like the singer. I know, but not spelled the same way. Okay. And here's the thing, because I love her. Mm-hmm. I love Sia. I love her music. And I even love that like weird haircut that she had, right? Where it was like the black and the white and the bangs and stuff. Yeah, there's a story behind that. Go ahead. Oh, what's the story behind it? I never knew that Sia had a story behind her. Her Is it she, her, or is it uh, they, I b- them? I believe that she that Sia is is she, her. Okay. Um, She just uh, shared with the world that she's autistic. No kidding. And that she deals with anxiety on stage. And it was a way for her to get her art out there, but also feel safe in her body well damn i love her even more now i know me too i love that song from her the bird set free song 
Oh, that's one of my favorites. That's like one of my favorite ones. So folks, if you want to listen along today, the the, the song of the day <laughs> is Sia's Bird Set Free. Love that song. Love you, Sia. But anyway, so that the, the, you can call me the, the Sia officer or community equity and access officer. And so a big part of my job, which I've been in media since... 1998 was when I started. Mm -hmm. And I've worked in all sorts of different media organizations. I've worked in big commercial, I've worked in independent, and now I work in public. Mm -hmm. um, if, and I actually do a training around why public media is so important to a thriving democracy. So if you ever want to hear me talk about that, just like give me a ping and I'll invite you to, to one of the places. I'm actually going to Durango next week to talk about that with the Tribal Media Center, which is a media center, KSUT which is focused on indigenous voices and storytelling. And they've invited me to come and have a conversation with them about democracy wow. and what democracy looks like. So what I a cool a, job you have. I do. I do have a really cool job. And I will tell you when I started at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, like I really did. And so it's been working, um, you know, in these different structures and learning everything that I could. I'm also a certified mediator, which really, really helped me. Mm. I've gone through tons of certifications um, within equity spaces and equity work. And so it's, you know, I mean, I'm at this place now, but I wasn't always. Mm -hmm. And then there's still so much more for me to learn. Like it, it's never ending. But one of the things that I do like to bring to this podcast is, and, and to the work that we do mm -hmm. is why we have to have things like International Pronouns Day yeah. and why we actually have to talk about pronouns mm -hmm. and how, if you're listening and you're a part of a work organization, what um, when you look at future workforce growth, what it is that we have to look at to have a thriving economy and workforce. And part of that is inclusion. And then if you don't have inclusion and you're not practicing inclusion or you're just being performative and transactional around it, how that's actually going to hurt your bottom line when it comes to your workforce, because you won't be able to recruit one nope. or retain one. So we'll talk a little bit about that today too. Okay. That was a long intro from me. That was amazing. I'm like, keep going. That's kind of, it was kind of long and wordy. Oh, Can yeah. we also talk about, because I, I do want to keep it like a little bit light okay. too. We like all the show, the different shows that we've been watching because uh -huh. we've been, um, there's definitely some queer stuff that's out there and shows that we've been watching that I just freaking love. Yes. Can I tell you what's on the top of my list? Is it what we're watching right now? No, but we can definitely talk about oh, it. Okay. What's on the top of your list? The Heartstopper. <gasps> oh, yeah. What did you think of? So if you haven't watched it, Heart, Heartstopper is on Netflix. It's um, a British kind of dramedy. So there's some comedy and some drama in it. Was it based on a graphic novel? Oh, that sounds like it should be right. But anyway, go okay, okay. I know it's definitely a book. I but I love I yeah. love the series. Oh, yeah. Same. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I think it was a very um, authentic depiction of um, queer youth and um and also being 45 and watching it being like oh i'm so happy for them oh totally like, i'm so happy they have that that teens now are seeing that can see that and just be like um just see themselves yeah and so this is this is a little bit of um when we talk about media like part of what I try to keep a lot of focus on when we're working with communities. And what I think Heartstopper did really, really well is Heartstopper, it doesn't shy away mm -hmm. from that there, there is definitely some trauma that happens with 
um, these boys' experiences and, and coming out and understanding themselves. And they, of course, have problematic family members and friends and people around them. But it's it also shows a lot of the joy mm-hmm. and the triumph of their and the excellence of their lives. And so with media, sometimes when we get into, um, you know, and obviously there's a responsibility that you have to report on where like you have to report on legislation. You you have to report on um, where there is struggle. But a lot of times with marginalized communities, we don't get the equal access to stories of excellence. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is if you are a part of that community and you are only seeing stories of struggle yeah. and trauma, you start to believe that that's the only thing that's yeah. going to be possible. Yeah. And so we come from a generation of queer people where when we were in the media and when we were being um, our live, our stories were being told, it almost always was in particular with our trans community. It was psychosis, murder, um, some type of like, I mean, you think about the movie, The Crying Game, where it it was, you know, this big shocking thing that the person um, in the movie was a trans person. Um, you think of psycho, you think of, mm-hmm. you know, all of these depictions that were were really putting trans people in particular in narratives that were consistently harmful. And there was no counterbalance of thriving, yeah, trans or queer people. And it makes so it makes a lot of sense why there are certain people out there, certain groups of people who are still just perpetuating that narrative of like who we are. Exactly. Because yeah. it's been, it, 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 media is one of the biggest influences of our unconscious bias. Yeah. And so, and this is my like thing I always say is like, if you tell me you don't have unconscious bias, I'm literally going to look at you and be like, were you raised in a cave in the woods with like, <laughs> how fascinating. Like, do you remember the movie Nell with Jodie Foster? Oh yeah. Tay and Wind. Sorry. Was that inappropriate? <laughs> okay. But like you, you literally would have to come from there not to be, and I've had people in training be like, I kind of just bias. And I'm like, I am so glad you signed up for training because we're going to get into it. Um, But with, with that unconscious. And so what the outcomes that we see, Mm -hmm. and some of it we're going to talk about on our podcast today Mm -hmm. is it is also the dehumanization of that human existence that allows people then to think they can be invasive about your body because they've actually been conditioned through their unconscious bias to think that your body and your existence is less than. So what ends up happening? It's really easy for people to ask you questions they would never ask of a straight cis person. Yeah. And then when they're called out on it, they get really uncomfortable. Yeah. So prime example you have a lot of people ask you different questions about your identity as a trans person. Mm-hmm. What are some of those questions for us? Let's do rapid fire round. <laughs> oh, well, so when I first came out, um, I mean, I get a lot of, I have, I, I, well, I, I get a lot of questions on TikTok. Um, but when I first came out, I had questions like, are you going to get surgery? Are you going to take hormones? Um, that's they them isn't a thing that's how can you be more than one person um what else those were like the the big ones yeah i remember it was like people constantly wanted to know what physical surgeries you were going to do to your body Mm -hmm. what what anything that you were taking to transform your body Mm -hmm. in a way that felt more affirming to you Mm -hmm. um and and this happened like 
two weeks ago Mm -hmm. where someone that you've worked with for years is still unable to use the correct pronouns for you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like just handing you the whole thing. It's all good. It's real. We talk about the real shit here on this podcast. Um, Yeah. And then it's, you know, as a coach and a trainer, I go to like with when we talk about allyship, like putting on smart goals and, 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 and parameters around like how much time do you give someone? I think, I think a few years is enough to, to, <laughs> to give, give them the chance to like turn it around. Anyway. Um, you said years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, someone gets married and that person is being referred to by their new married name within maybe a prop. I mean, that day, a few weeks, even. Right. Um, you don't, I don't, the transphobia and the homophobia sh- shows up where you keep saying, Oh, I'm learning. Oh, I'm going to get it. And it's been how fucking long, right? Your best friend just got, went from Mrs. Smith to Mrs. Johnson. And now you call her Mrs. Johnson all the time. So really what I hear that person saying is I see the value in cis straight marriage. Yep. I see the value in that institution. So I'm going to learn it. Yeah. What I don't see, and and this is the this is the problem, is that because people are unaware that this is how they're showing up. And people constantly tell on themselves, and this is a way that they do it. I'm going to learn this person's married name, but I'm not going to learn the pronouns of this person over here. Yeah. So what are you actually saying? And then they get mad sometimes. Not well, yeah. Anyway, I'll just some people some and, people get mad. And I think too, like one of the things I hear is that, well, I'm too old. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. I I I really saw the word allyship, and maybe this has been actually a thing for a lot of people. In my head, I saw it differently this past week, where I was like, I saw all mm. the first three letters are all, and that allyship is not just for the marginalized, you know, folks, or it's it's for all of us. And that we all should and can do this. We could do like a mini series on allyship, right? Because allyship is about a number of different things to me and and things that I've had to learn along the way. Because I think when, when I was younger and, you know, like an entitled asshole, right? Like I thought, I thought allyship was... It was saying something about who I am. Yeah. Okay. How, how good of a person you how are. How good of a person I am. How worthy I am as a person. Yeah. And so I was stepping in a space of allyship to have it say something about me. Mm-hmm. And that is actually not what allyship is. Allyship is about centering activism, not an activist. That's the first thing. Yeah. And then the second thing around allyship that I think is so important that we 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 consistently use this platform to talk about is allyship to me is stepping into the gap, right? It's allyship is you you exist in some type of privilege mm-hmm. and you are stepping into the space to advocate for the advocism for the you are stepping into a space to advocate for the activism mm-hmm. that needs to happen and it should feel uncomfortable. And yeah. that discomfort is essentially what members of that community feel all the time. Yeah. I really witness it. Um, we, I mean, all I, I, I witness it in my day-to-day life where allyship 
there's so many moments and I've dropped the ball myself, but where the ally it's action, like you're saying the activism and like, since we're we're talking about pronouns, when someone is being misgendered, how easy it actually really is just to really, you know, interject the correct pronoun for that person, even when they're not around. And, but that can feel hard for people because they think they're going to make someone mad or hurt their feelings. And it's like, no, you're not going to hurt the person's feelings. They're, they're wrong and they need to know. And if you correct them because you actually are centering the person whom they're talking about, that's kindness. And if they're going to get angry about that, well, then you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And, 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 and I want to say too, like, it's not, yes, you should always step in. If you hear somebody being used the wrong name, um, misgendered, there, there is a way that you need to step in and we have to talk about the power dynamics of that and what that actually can look like for a person. Yeah. Because as an example, and this is not like, I I am, this is hypothetical. This is not actually like my boss at all. My boss is, is, is not like this at all. But if my boss was a type of person that was constantly misgendering someone and I have to constantly step in and correct them, there's a power imbalance between my boss and I. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it is not simple to navigate those spaces and you still have to. And so I think that as a trainer is one of the questions I get asked all the time, like the power dynamics and how power dynamics play out at work when you're working in inclusion Mm -hmm. is one of the more challenging areas of inclusion work. Because sometimes too, you are a person that has no power and you're having to advocate for yourself, which without having an ally can make you look advantageous, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm, I'm saying this because I just want something more for myself. And then people that are seen as advantageous tend to not be believed. They don't put like the harm somehow we're not going to believe it as much if it's coming from that person. Yeah. And so again, like this is something like we can do like a mini part series on um, for people to understand like why this stuff matters and why we have to have these conversations and also probably why you want to bring in um, a a, a consultant or a person or speakers that's that do this because you don't want to shift this emotionally laborious and sometimes power dynamic work in a field that is going to be harmful to someone. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's important. And, and you know, I say this and I'm like, and I also recognize that like after George Floyd was murdered, all of these organizations were like, we are going to put so much money because what we're talking about for the queer community exists a million times worse for people of color. Mm-hmm. These things are not, they're, they're both important, but they're, we can't treat them as, as if they're equal. Um, so anyway, so George Floyd gets murdered and all of these organizations say, yep, we are going to put all of this money into DEI. And then you get the other side coming in saying, no, 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 no. Talking about race and all this stuff, it only further divides us. We're going to, what did, what was Trump's thing? We are going to outlaw critical race theory. I dare you to show me any organization that's actually doing critical race theory. <laughs> like that is a graduate level college organization. It's Kimberly Crenshaw. Okay. She is the person that sort of coined critical race theory. She's a lawyer and out in California. Like you're not getting Kimberly Crenshaw to come do your DEI lunch and learns at work. Like seriously, (laughs) she can come into your kid's kindergarten class. (laughs) Right. Like the arguments sometimes. 
I'm off on a tangent. I lost myself with Kimberly Crenshaw, but you can you can Google her and, and read about her work. But she is 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 really one of the framework thinkers around intersectionality, intersectionality, critical race theory. Um, that's not what's being taught in in school, in elementary, middle, not even high school. Yeah. And, you know, I think about like from um, as a trainer coaching that it's how how does mindset you know, come into play with it. Okay. So, so tell me more about that. So like, you know, mindset being, um, the beliefs of, I had, I did a whole presentation about this yesterday. And I, I forgot my dictionary definition, but it's this really slow process of, you know, how you see and interact with the world. And, and I just think when I see people who are getting so upset about, um, these types of things with, you know, race and gender. And I'm like, your mindset isn't like, isn't set to it's growth versus sick growth versus fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. If you can get your brain into growth mindset, you can really learn anything, including how to do this. You mean like someone's pronouns? What you mean? Like it's so simple, but it's not obviously easy, but it's it's layer. I get that it's layered and complicated, but uh, um, it's you know, yeah. You know, it, it's in doing this like all these years too, Alex. Like you and I have have had the um, we've been really lucky that we've gone into some organizations to talk about this stuff, mm -hmm. and it's been varying you know experiences with different organizations. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things we hear all the time is, "Oh my gosh, we really want you guys to come in," and "Oh, our budget, our budget, our budget." And if I could get across to organizations one thing around investing in just learning some basics around inclusion, mm -hmm. I'm going to give away for free some of the high level shit right now. Okay. And then you're going to email us and hire us. <laughs> so the, no, the, the biggest thing for me is, I don't even know to say the biggest thing. Here's some of the things that I think are really important. With any, and like, it's so funny because our daughter, Juliet, is like studying this right now in her AP human, human geography class, right? Yeah. And it's about looking at your workforce, right? Because this is basic economics. You have to have a thriving workforce to have a thriving economy, right? And there's things like, we talked to this about last night, we talked about the brain drain, right? Yeah. Which is, if you are living in a society that is not inclusive, diverse, has a lot of opportunity, has a lot of growth, the most highly skilled people in your society are going to leave and go find that elsewhere. Yeah. And so you want to be, think of that even as, you, as your organization, right? You want to be the organization where the, the most highly skilled, um, creative, innovative people want to go. And so we know from every single study you can look at that the more inclusive and diverse your organization is, your profits go up. Mm -hmm. It is a basic fact. So because money is currency and currency is energy. So if you, you're going to still have to explain that one. I know it's from a book and you keep saying it to me and I'm like, I, I don't know that I understand the energetic world. Okay. So if your if your organization is not embracing of inclusion, I want you to take a little look at me, a little look for me into Generation Z, which Generation Z and millennials are millennials right now are the biggest part of our workforce, and then Gen Z is going to very quickly overtake them. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is the direction, and and Boomers and Gen X, 
there's still going to be a lot in positions of power and control, but you're shrinking, you're retiring, you're dying off. And so the world is shifting in this way because what do we know about Gen Z? Mm -hmm. Gen Z, more than 50% is one or more race. And they are also one in, I think, four identify somewhere within the LGBTQ community. So if you are still operating in ways that centers whiteness and heteronormativity, you're losing half of your workforce. Mm -hmm. So how's that going to go for the economy? Like what's going to happen to your business? If you can't attract and retrain and retrain, (laughs) retain and support a thriving workforce. Mm -hmm. So you might want to wave your hand in someone's face and say, oh, I don't do pronouns. Guess what? Half of your workforce does. Yeah. So then you get into, well, who are you selling to? Who are your customers? Who's your audience? Mm -hmm. They are reflective of these values as well. Are you just going to ignore them and say, hey, we don't need half of that population over here to engage with us? It's the most backwards thinking of people that are trying to hold on to an ideal that they had about what our country is, that it just doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So growth mindset versus fixed, you might want to get into that growth mindset. Yeah. If we really look at and feel that head, heart, hands, healing model that Michelle Campbell. Yeah. Um, from taught, reach principles. From reach principles. Um, if we really, really can pause, you know, it's because this is, and this is where like I'm pulling in like the energetic kind of like that whole, that allyship in, in under, doing this work is a holistic practice. You are, you are transforming yourself into a, a person who does this and thinks a certain way that actually allows space to be created, um, safer spaces to be built. Like you can't do it authentically without changing yourself. And I think that's what's so, I think it's actually the direction of the world that we're going because people were all hurting and suffering in some capacity. And we want to be able to feel safe at work, feel safe at home, feel, feel safe in the world. It's down to that psychological safety, which is, you know, it's the body, it's your mind, it's your energy. It's, um, and just tell me if I'm going off on a no, on no, tangent, no. but, um, isn't that what our podcast is about? It, yeah. Is the random tangents we go off. Why? Okay. Yeah. I think, I guess I just really owning how, as I've learned from you and in, in my own experience as well, and just kind of around in, the, in my life experience that, um, really coming to this conclusion, like if I told an executive, um, how, what to do, it's, get to know yourself and get to know your your beliefs beyond what you actually think you know aside from the fact that you maybe run a multi-million dollar corporation great cool what's in your heart mm-hmm. if you really care about your people and i think dylan mulvaney just did a um she posted on tiktok about how she's going to go she's about to go speak to an organization about um people over money Mm. But see, if you take care of the people, the money comes. Yeah. Like you're just saying. So, um, yeah. No, it's such a good point. Like, and I think what probably makes us very unique is that 
you have had very specific lived experiences within organizations that have not really invested in the work that they needed to do and the harm that was. And so this is like a, a little bit where um, without, you know, because I know that the organization that you're in, they, they're, they're making some steps and, and they are doing some really good work, but the other part, like it's, it is, it is people over money mm-hmm. and then it's also your systems. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think sometimes when we talk about inclusion, maybe we don't talk about systems enough mm-hmm. because systems inherently are not built for everyone. Systems have been built for one part of our population. And then what happens is if you're a person that doesn't fit into the way that that system was, we tend to shift the blame to the person instead of seeing that the system needs to change. Mm-hmm. Simple example, how many times have you had to sign up in some system and they don't give you an option for your pronouns? Oh my gosh, so many. When you had to go through a legal name change at your organization and get your email changed, how long did it take? About seven months. Like those are systems. Mm -hmm. And so when people are thinking about, and then, I mean, we could talk again, like this could be a multi-part series on, on just systems alone. Like there's so many systems out there. And the the common phrase that people will, will hear is that the system isn't broken. The system was built this way. Right. The system was only built with a certain part of the population in mind. And so it's not the problem with the population. It's the problem with the system. Yep. They're <laughs> right there. All that. <laughs> that could be like a whole multi-part series. But when we're talking about inclusion in your workplace, it's about more than just getting along. It, yeah. it, it is about more than hey, I made a mistake and let me correct this. Obviously, that is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. But it's also down to your processes and your systems and the way that you guys, and and the way that we all work. And Mm -hmm. so I'll share one story from, um, and this happened a few years ago, but it's on my mind because I'm going um, out to Durango to work with this group uh, specifically. But when I start, we started as an organization working with um, KSUT and a project called Native Lens, which anybody you can go in and Google Native Lens and you can see this. And it was about, it was really about it's it is a place for if you are um, of indig- if you are an indigenous person, it's first person storytelling. So there's no like editor or anybody that's going to come in and force your story to fit into a white colonizer sort of um, perspective of how your story should be told. And so we've been really, really proud of this project, and we've definitely learned a lot on it. And years ago, we go to write as as you normally do in any type of work, like you, you're going to do a press release to mm-hmm. let the public know, hey, um, this is a project that we're working on. So we go to do the press release and common practice within press releases is your, your communications person or your PR person or whoever, they go about writing a quote and then they'll put a person in the organization's name to it so that it's on brand or it like hits the storytelling points that you need that executive to say. Okay. So this person in our, in our office was like, just following that system was following that process. And it never occurred to them that this was thieving and it was colonizing an indigenous person's voice to speak about the project. So it's like the system was, well, we do it this way for efficiency. We do it this way to stay on brand. We do it this way to hit all of our marketing points. And at the same time, we've completely co-opted and stolen an indigenous person's voice again. Mm-hmm. And that was like part of the system that the person that was, that was in, she's like, but I've always been taught to do it this way. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, yes, it's not that the system's broken. The system was built for the white person to come in, think it's okay to co-opt a voice, 
to write out their marketing points and their communications plan. And the whole project was about raising Indigenous voices. And even in our own system of doing it, we still had these colonizer, white supremacist ways of doing things. So, you know, inclusion work, it's a, it is about so much more than do we get along? Mm-hmm. And if you're exhausted by hearing me tell that story and you're like, oh shit, like there's so much work we have to do. Yes. And you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like sitting here like, oh wow. Like, yeah. You got to fall on your face a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because you can't, you can't do this without acknowledging harm, harm that, um, yeah. And I was going to say the foundation of what, well, it's a cracked foundation if you look at it that way, but of what, how we built our country. So everything is built on oppress, oppressing and harming other people. And a lot of, <laughs> it's very dark and also very real. I think, um, again, this could be a multi-part, multi-part series, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Did I take a? Take no. a oh yeah. gosh, no, okay. no. I mean, this is our. This is part of the. You know, part of our podcast, right? Which is we, we show up, we put on a microphone, and we we're not necessarily sure of the directions that we're going to go in because we were going to talk about um, International Pronouns Day, and we were going to talk we, about coming we'll out day. We'll still get there. Yeah, I won't go. Let's not go too far down the 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 foundations of our of which our country was founded. Because to honestly get into the perspective of like, we are, (laughs) this land was not ours. This land was absolutely occupied. um, And it was, and we basically slaughtered and murdered all of those people. Mm -hmm. And then we decided to be these, you know, rebels that, you know, essentially, you know, no taxation without representation, but they only meant representation for a certain part of that population. Yeah. So one of the, um, and, 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 so I'm going to like just kind of lay that down there and maybe we can talk about that on another one. But one of the more depressing statistics I just came across was that Pew Research Center has been doing, um, I think probably because of the last couple of years, this sort of like argument about, um, you know, that you're seeing in Florida and in Texas, well, we're not going to teach anything about critical race theory. We don't want to talk about race. We don't want to talk about gayness. We don't want to talk about anything other than this version of America we want you to believe. Okay. So I think I've maybe I've even talked about this on this podcast before, but the Pew Research Center did a study recently where they found that kids that were coming out of school, it was something like 80% of them didn't know why we fought the civil war, had no idea. Oh. And we fought the civil war because of racism and because of slavery. Yeah. And years and years and years and years and years ago, the daughters of the Confederacy did a really good job of recognizing that their ancestors were going to be seen as what they were, which was racist slave owners, that they saw anybody that was uh, 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 you know, anyone that wasn't white and we have brown paper bag laws and all this shit, right? That less than, so I can treat as less than human, mm-hmm. right? And so we fought the civil war because of that. The daughters of the Confederacy didn't want their ancestors to be remembered that way. So they turned it into this statement called states rights, mm-hmm. that the state had the right. We want individual state rights for states to decide what is best to govern in their own state and their own people. 
and completely have erased the fact that this was actually about racism. So when we're looking at like 80% of kids that don't know that anymore because it's too uncomfortable (laughs) for them to learn the history, what happens? What happens? Yeah. What happens? Is that and that's the that's the question I think for all of us that we can't be scared of hurting each other's feelings to actually talk about what is historically true. Yeah. Because what you don't acknowledge that is historically happened, you are doomed to repeat again. Yeah. Your feelings aren't was that quote, your feelings aren't as are not as important as someone else's life. Exactly. So yeah. anyway, that's the kind of long road to inclusion work and um just all the different aspects when we talk about DEI and like, this is the, this is this we're skimming the surface of what being an equitable organization can look like and what being a, what being a person that really wants to be an ally. Um, It's not comfortable for me to sit on here and say all this because people have an awful lot to say to me when I do say it and I'm okay. Yeah. I'm all be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I just I feel and then I I feel like having the doing the work and then providing the support and the resources for people to feel their feelings mm-hmm. and be like, okay, so where's that coming from? Let's dive into that so you can now learn these things that are going to help you create less harm. <laughs> so let me ask you. Because it, it uh, for International Pronouns Day, okay, which is where we we t- can you give me a high level on what the purpose of the day actually is? Um, I honestly did not look up the history of it, but basically, it's a day to um, acknowledge that uh, different people have different pronouns. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. And that we, all of us, in this, I'll steal your line, people are pronouns and pronouns are people. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that there are people who actually use no pronouns. They use just their name. That person uses just that person's name. It's hard to say because <laughs> I, I know, just I had said to, their name, which is a pronoun. Yeah. And I wrote a little thing for um, for work about it. And I, had, I went back and edited and said that person uses that person's name. But um, I used there at first. And some people use uh, it for pronouns and it's removing the dehumanizing um, energy around it. And um, yeah, so people, there are so many different pronouns and more being created all the time. So as a person who uses they, them pronouns, is there anything you like, what, give me an idea of what is something that because I use she her mm-hmm. right I use a an a, a cisgender which is not an insult cisgender just means Alex remind everyone what does oh, cisgender mean you uh you f- identify with um the body that you are assigned you, sorry you your identity aligns with the um sex you were assigned with at birth so that's all you're saying to me when you say Kim you're cisgender. You 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 identify as female and your body parts match female. Yes. Why in the world do people think that's an insult? I don't know. Because I see that on your TikTok page probably more than anything else. Yeah. And then some cisgender women get angry when I say that transgender women are women. And then they want to say <laughs> like that. Like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> yeah. And they want to say, well, they're not real women. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's not forget that gender is how you feel your sense of self. It's not your body parts. 
When do you think you knew for the first time that gender lived in your head? Like your gender is in your head. It's in between your ears. It wasn't between your legs. When did, when is your first memory of maybe feeling like, hmm, what's in my head is not when I look down at my body, what I feel? I think I can remember, I may have, I think I've shared this story before about being five years old in the garden with my dad and just seeing him, I was um, with his shirt off and wanted to do that too. And I didn't really know why, but it just felt good. Mm -hmm. And also from a pedagogy, child psychology, like you kind of start to see yourself in the world around the age between like, like, like three to five, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, there's, there's, um, sense of self kind of starts to, um, become more visible around like age two to three kind of thing. But I remember, and I actually have never really shared this before, because as once you asked me that question, this 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 memory popped up. Um, really spending a lot of time staring at my body. Oh, interesting. Um, I looked, I would look in it, I would look at it, I would pull things apart, I would and and I mean someone listening now could just be like, that's really weird. I'm like but I just didn't understand how I wanted to understand. Mm-hmm. And that first, and I felt so curious that I'm, that I was in this body and what does it do? And it, why does it look this way? And then, then having a period in my life where I just completely dissociated from it, where oh. I'm like, I don't want to be, they're telling me that I shouldn't be in this body and and how I want to dress or look is not the way I should be. So now I'm just going to leave my body completely. And then, so when, once I came out and returned, I, I regained that curiosity. Like I began to look at my body again, look at things in the mirror, like study it to really be like, oh, you've actually taken me this far and I love you for that. Mm. And you did your job. You, Mm. you did, you protected me. You carried me, you allowed me to move and to experience the world. Mm -hmm. And the gift of being able to come back to that place and feeling as an adult the shame and the guilt that I felt as I still did those things. Hmm. And it was a way for me to detach. Um, that was part of my shadow work, my, my shadow work of like, I, I'm not, I don't want to feel shame for being in my body and I'm, and I'm going to be actually what I'm supposed to be, which is curious about it. Thank you for sharing all that. <laughs> sure. So then I, I ended up making a living off of my body, uh, performer and train personal trainer and group fitness instructor where I'm like bleeding out and sharing my body with people. So then maybe they can move and explore themselves too. Which is 
I mean, talk about being able to do a podcast on like multi-part series, <laughs> right? Um, how so many of us, regardless of how you identify with a gender, but how many of us were taught to shame our body? Yeah. And I just was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm fucking done. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. I Our book club just read this book called Rouge. And uh, it's in the other room. I can't remember the author right now, um, which is about the body and and beauty and just all the different ways that we're chasing this ideal of what our body is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, really dark <laughs> because people eventually end up selling themselves to the devil, right? Oh, to to obtain read, a certain amount it. of beauty. You should definitely <laughs> read it. Um, so let me before because I know we're probably running out of time and I wanted to ask you another question. What um when we're talking about international pronoun pronoun days, I know I kind of took us off on I asked you a different question. Now I'm coming back to the original one. Sure. Highly produced podcast, folks. Well, I think I do it, yeah. Um, I wanna hear from you. So we have this day, International Pronouns Day. What are you like give me something or what do you think? What do you wish people would know about your experience being in the workforce, they, them pronouns? Like, are there things that really would legitimately make it easier? It, it, just tell us a little bit about, because here we have this day recognizing it. Like, what do you hope people do with it? I think my vision, <laughs> my vision for the world is that people, because I've been here, where if you can, see your own humanness and that's um i use i adopted the phrase um from the, our friend our friend claire who does breath work um we're a success in progress and that it's so easy to dismiss each other and even who we are and um and it all comes back to, well, here, I'll go, I'll go science really fast. So like Brene Brown says, you know, we're energetic beings who think, not thinking beings who, who feel, feel uh, or feeling. Yeah. And if you can even entertain, like expand your mind enough for a second to just, and these are called glimmers where you get a glimpse of like joy if you just for a hot second consider the 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 reality that you are um you are energy you are energy and science has proven that we are um we glow in the dark that we emit light and that we emit heat and and we have like you know like the heat sensors but we actually also there's a something happening with the atoms in that that we literally glow in the dark. So when we say you are the light you seek, you actually really are the light that you seek. Mm-hmm. You just don't see it that way yet. And if you can even just consider like, you, right, I'm an energetic being that's in a body. I am a moving three-dimensional um, orb of light that's been, for lack of a better word, stuffed into a body. And I get to choose what I do with my body, how I move through it, what I do to it, and how I experience the world. And if you're taking that power 
and now using it to tell another group of people, you don't get to experience your body or who you are, Mm. then there's something really wrong about your mindset about why we're even fucking here. Wow. Mm -hmm. Really well said. Thank you. I can't imagine. So I know one time when I was explaining this to James, (laughs) he was little about pronouns. And I said, James, what pronouns do you use? He. Yeah. And I said, what if I just kept calling you she? How would that feel? But I know I'm a boy. I know I'm he. No, you're not she. (laughs) No, you're not. No, you're not. Like if my little kids can have that conversation, so can you grownups? Yeah. Well, on that note, let's wrap. Yeah. Can we just do another shout out to Outfront Magazine? Yes. Because I love them. Yes. And we'll we'll totally stop because I um, will stop not knowing when y'all st- started in 1976. Oh, okay. 1976. Yay. Founded. <laughs> founded by Phil Price. Um, since then, no other queer media has been served the LGBTQ, has served the LGBTQ community with such dedication. It's run by our dear friends, Maggie and Addison. Hey, 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 hey. hey. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, they're incredible. Go to their website, Outfront Magazine, subscribe, get the magazine, have it brought to your house. We get it delivered to ours. Mm -hmm. Um, They're actually, and they're also hiring for some. Oh, really? Some um, join the team, marketing and sales executive, freelance writer, photographers and videographers. Ooh. Right? So. Um, reach out to Outfront Magazine at outfrontmagazine.com. You can also check us out on howtobequeer.com and go to wherever you're listening to this podcast, go to um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and be like, whoop, whoop. I know. I think like we need the rating thing. Like just do it. We do. Cause we got things to do and shit to be (laughs) (laughs) things to do and shit to be i don't know yeah you know i i will say it's been quite a lovely fall and and we'll be back i think in two weeks we'll we'll be back and um on that note happy happy coming out happy october happy international pronouns day if you um, are interested in learning more about all the different things, you kind of got a taste of it, right? Because mm-hmm. so Alex is is amazing at bringing the energetic and emotional components and pieces all together. And I, I can talk your ear off about history and data and facts and bullshit. I'm working on my feelings. Don't underestimate the power of your heart, honey. I feel like together we make like an amazing person. <laughs> we're, we're definitely better together. That's for sure. I am. <laughs> I'm I better mean, with you. The fact that I have a hard time still recognizing my feelings tells me I need to stick with you. <laughs> I love you, babe. I love you too. All right. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs>